Welcome back to No Idea, the podcast where you have no idea what we're going to talk about, and we have no idea how it's going to go. I'm your host, Jenny, and I am so excited to introduce one of my dearest friends as a guest on this podcast. I'm surprised it took so long to get her on here. Her name is Victoria, and she is the... Oh, how tall are, how tall are you, Victoria? I'm 5'4". Five 5'4". Four. Five four. She is 5'4", of pure fury emotion wisdom (laughs) and laughter (laughs) if that's a good description for her but victoria please introduce yourself say hello hi um yes my name is victoria hedger and uh, my husband's name is solomon we do have one child in utero so the family is growing (laughs) on the way (laughs) Um, a fun fact about me, I literally couldn't think of any. I was just like, uh, the coolest thing about me is that I'm friends with Jenny. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Get out. <laughs> I remember when we first became friends. Do you remember how that happened? Oh, yes, I do. Oh, Very yes, clearly. I remember like it was yesterday. How many years ago was it? It was probably two. It was two. Yeah, going on three. Yeah. And I remember I thought you were so cool from afar. Like just in college, I would see you in the very front row during classes. You would always sit in the front row because you are a brave, brave soul. <laughs> and you would lift your hand for questions all the time. And I literally thought you were so cool. I was like, she just wants to learn so much. And she just is here to absorb everything she can and I just thought you were so cool and it wasn't until I think sophomore year mm-hmm. when we lived on the same floor and I would just go over to your room all the time yes <laughs> and I was like I'm finally friends with her yeah when I saw that you were moving into the dorm like right down the way with me away from me with uh Emma I was so stoked I was like oh my gosh <laughs> my dreams are coming true <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I am so excited you're here. I know you have so much wisdom to share on this specific topic. So I remember trying to think of like how to put this topic. And I guess the best way I could think of, if you have a better way, let me know. But uh, the best thing I can think of was like where mental health and faith coexist or combine, basically. Mm -hmm. Do you have any words of like how you would put it? Uh, no, I think that's perfect. And I, mean, I will explain why I think coexist is a really good word. <laughs> Better than those bumper stickers that have all the religions <laughs> on yeah. it. We have no choice but to coexist, people. We don't need a bumper sticker. <laughs> um, we're just going to talk today about mental health and Christianity and what God thinks about our mental health, basically. And I feel like we always put these two categories in separate across the room boxes and we think like our mental health does not involve God or God is not interested in our mental health but I would just love to hear your thoughts of how you think mental health and our faith go hand in hand Victoria um well I think coexist is a perfect word because uh, I think it kind of breaks that boundary of thinking of like compartmentalizing our mental health and our faith or what we would consider secular Um, and sacred and so I think they do coexist God is with us in all things including our suffering and um, I I know that certain sects of 
Christianity do do teach that, but I personally came um, from a church or a church body that kind of lacked that teaching, and so mm-hmm. I had to learn it. <laughs> yeah, um, and I would love if you share just a little bit of your journey with mental health. What has that been like for you in your long years of life? <laughs> yeah, in my long 21 years of life. Yep. yep. Um, well, so I would say first that mental health and the topic of mental health is very complex, um, especially when including uh, your faith in the mix. So there's going to be a lot of things that I don't you know, that I don't talk about in my experience, just because there's so many little details. And uh, the same goes for anybody who might listen to this who experiences um, difficulties in their mental health. So this is, this is not by any means, like the end all be all, (laughs) you know, everybody learns differently. Um, So for me, it started when I I mean, really as little as I can remember, I had really bad anxiety, uh, but I didn't know what it was at the time. I thought I just had like asthma or something. Um, And then when I got into junior high, I started being able to kind of name what I was feeling more. um, And I knew I was experiencing depression. Um, But I still didn't really understand what the anxiety was until I got into high school. And I would say, like, probably my sophomore or junior year, maybe junior, senior year, um, I started being able to recognize, like, how anxious I was and how it was affecting my life. And um, eventually, after I was saved, you know, how it was affecting my faith in Christ as well so that all started uh, because you know I had a really toxic home life and I was experiencing toxic relationships uh, abusive and um, it, it was just kind of the natural consequence of how I was raised you know and um, thankfully literally thank God <laughs> I was saved on August 9th, 2015. Oh my goodness. And Happy almost anniversary. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, and that was a really special day for me because I grew up knowing about Jesus and I remember even experiencing his peace and his joy when I was really young in the Holy Spirit. But um, I didn't really experience any deliverance or real sense of salvation until I was 15, which, I mean, that's still so young. Looking back, I'm so thankful that it happened so young. And that just kind of started, you know, the the process of working out my faith and uh, being discipled. Wow. And during that time, how did you think that God viewed your mental health during those really hard years? Um, I you know, it continued on. <laughs> like, I still struggle with mental health, but I just have a lot more peace now. Um, and I would say it's because of how my view of God has changed. Um, when I was saved, I knew that God was my friend and my father. Um, and I really, really loved Jesus. 
uh, kind of like that honeymoon stage almost. <laughs> and um, I knew that he loved me too. But certain aspects of what I had learned um, didn't properly equip me to handle my trauma or my sin and the, uh, the mental health issues that kind of accompanied those. So I felt like if I was struggling in any way, either mentally or in my sin or anything, then it was me who was doing something wrong. Um, which, you know, obviously that applies circumstance to circumstance. Sometimes we, we do fall short. But um, I think what was really detrimental for me was that I believed I was depressed and anxious because I was doing something wrong and was separating myself from God. So I really believed that God was far from me uh, in my mess. Like, if, if there was a mess, it meant he was not present because God is perfect and he, he can't be in the presence of suffering or sin or mess. Uh, so I just had this very compartmentalized view of my experience here on earth and how God was involved in that. And, and that really, I mean, it deeply affected my, my mental health. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, it's so sad to hear how we yeah. think that how we think that um, God cannot be in our mess. We're like, right. well, I'm very messy, so he's probably very far away. Um, what was your church saying about these mental health struggles at the time that you were newly saved? Um, so my church was really great. I, I mean, I still keep in contact with a lot of the people who discipled me in that time. Um, and they really love Jesus. And uh, so none of this is to say anything about their personal faith. But for me, um, the theology that they held just in some aspects was just not helpful. So there were certain aspects of what I was learning in uh, that particular church body that didn't really um, equip me to handle my personal trauma or even my perspective on sin and God's involvement in, in my sin and forgiveness. So I think the main reason kind of a hindrance for me in my faith was the ad on the supernatural, um, which is obviously something that we embrace as Christians, that God is supernatural. Um, but I think that it can become detrimental when we get so focused on the miraculous and like these one in a million things that happen in our relationship with God, uh, it can just, it can just surface a lot of doubt and questioning when those things don't happen, uh, which is basically how it affected me. Uh, because in learning about like, if in learning about the concept of naming it and claiming it, um, I essentially just thought like, okay, well, if I'm saying like, okay, God, I will be happy tomorrow. And I know that because you, you're my source of joy or I will not worry because you've commanded me not to worry. And if I do something that you've commanded me not to do, then that's sinful. Um, all of that puts like all of the work on me um, and just kind of, I feel like it, it almost fails to acknowledge God's true sovereignty in our lives and in our salvation. 
Um, so yeah, I, I guess it was just, it was detrimental because I, I was finding myself like praying and crying out to God, like, God, I'm telling you, I want to be happy. Like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to be anxious. Please just take it from me. Um, and it never happened. And so it just constantly felt like I was doing something wrong. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that type of, or that portion of theology from prosperity gospel of naming it and claiming it is really what affected my view of God, um, and his relationship with his church. Um, I mean, it really, it caused me to believe that God was very far from me in my suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we say prosperity gospel. How would you define prosperity gospel and how it's different from the gospel? (laughs) Um, I would say, I mean, there's like so many facets to prosperity gospel. But in, in this particular context, I would say that prosperity gospel says that if there is suffering, you can name and claim your freedom and God will give it to you uh, because God would never let anything bad happen to his children. Um, but the gospel clearly says, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a theme in the word of God that we suffer with Christ mm-hmm. and we are actually made more like him in our suffering. Um, I have some scripture pulled up here. Uh, in First Peter 4, um, the, I mean, the opening, the opening words of this chapter uh, is, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Um, and then it goes on. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So, obviously, like, the context here is they're likely talking about, you know, like, martyrdom and being oppressed for uh, preaching the name of, of Christ. But, um, I mean, there's some, there's still something to be said about, uh, God's presence with us in our suffering and how suffering is promised to us in this life. And that doesn't, that doesn't say anything about, uh, God's character in a negative way or mean that he's far from us, but, um, that he really is the suffering servant and went as far to die on a cross to be close to us in -hmm. our suffering. Right. I was going to say, like, if God didn't spare his own son to have suffering and die a horrific death, like, what makes us think that we are immune to some kind of suffering in any way? Right. Exactly. And, And oh, the beautiful thing is that he always does work it out for the good of those who love him. It's not like the story ends there. Right. And even if it's not on this earth, like we have the eternal promise to us and living with him forever. But he is Emmanuel, God with us. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I'll talk more about that when we get to uh, talking about kind of how I broke through that 
right my next question (laughs) so how did your view of that start to change and what was a, a good breakthrough for you um well I would say it it definitely happened throughout college I feel like um college and my experience there was like my breaking point that kind of let me hit rock bottom and uh forced me to kind of find that breakthrough in a way um because when I when I got to college I was still struggling very deeply with understanding why I was so sad and anxious why I wanted to die if I was saved by Christ um it just didn't make sense to me because of the ideology that I had um, inherited from my church. Uh, and eventually I, it just turned into anger with God and with everybody around me. Like I didn't want anything to do with people. I didn't have the energy to confront my doubts um, and questions with God anymore. I just kind of gave up. Um, uh, this is because I thought that I was doing everything I could, but God was still, quote, absent from me. So it just got so exhausting. And I was so angry um, that I just wasn't finding the answers I needed. Um, And then on top of that, you know, I I did have a run-in with some negative influences on my faith and theology. Um, I mean, God bless them. They were just trying to help me. God bless them. They were just trying to help me, like, answer those questions I had, but really they were just affirming the ideology that got me there in the first place, which was that God is not involved in our lives. Uh, And so it just pushed me further away and, like, validated my anger, and so I just got more and more angry. And um, then within the last few months that I was in college... um, somebody in my life that was very abusive to me in the past took their own life and it was uh like earth shattering for me um it stirred up and caused like ptsd attacks and i was just i I left college experiencing more trauma um more anger more anxiety you know that all comes with ptsd than what I showed up with and I was in a worse place in my faith. So it was a really scary time um, because like, I remember thinking at the funeral, like, you know, God, everybody's saying that you were there with him in his last breath and all this, but if you were there, then why'd you let it happen? Like it was just the same question over and over again. That was so deeply troubling to me. Um, But thankfully uh, God sustained me through all of it. <laughs> it makes me emotional every time I think about it because it was him that I was doubting, but uh, he upheld me um, through all of that. And um, I, I praise God for that. And one way he did that was um, he gave me the gift of my husband, Solomon. Um, Solomon loves Christ and is constantly seeking um, knowledge and wisdom from the word. And like I knew I had to keep trying um, and keep pushing forward and fighting the good fight uh, so long as I wanted Solomon to be my husband. <laughs> so uh, it he was really such 
such a help to me in my faith, like far beyond what I think he even understands. Um, and so I really thank God for Solomon too. So all of that to say, I think uh, breakthrough is very, very slow and it's a long process. It's not like one day I just understood, but it was actually just allowing the peace of Christ to surpass my understanding, um, any understanding that I had or wanted and just be at peace uh, in him recognizing that I am not, I'm not God and I'm not going to get all these answers. Um, but he's still good and he still loves me. Um, and once I was able to just like lay aside my anger and was ready to walk in that peace and that love again, I was able to then see the theme of suffering in the Bible and actually recognize God's place in that um, and his plan for redemption in a much deeper way. Like I always knew that God sent his son for redemption and for the souls of men. But um, now that I recognize how, um, how our lives are filled with suffering uh, and that's just a part of our experience as humans living in a fallen world, like that story of redemption is so much more meaningful to me because like you said earlier, even if I can't find any hope or light on this earth, uh, I know that Christ will come back and uh, all things will be redeemed in the new Jerusalem. And I, that's really the hope that I ended up clinging to, to really get me through for a while. Um, Which, you know, I just think of people uh, in much, much less fortunate conditions in their life. um, And that's literally all that they have to cling to. You know, they don't get to think, oh, maybe tomorrow I'll I'll have a good day or a better day, or maybe next month will be more financially stable. Like their whole lives are just filled with suffering. Um, entirely and so their joy is solely in Christ and um, I think (laughs) that's kind of what I've had to learn is that I'm not going to find peace or joy in any answers I get um, if I'm not satisfied in Christ wow yes that's so good and I mean in your breakthrough which is a slow breakthrough from previous thoughts you had about God, mm-hmm. what would you say that God thinks about our mental health now in, as you're on the other side, if you will? Yeah. Um, I would say now that, I mean, it's still complex. Like <laughs> there's still a complex answer to be given there. I think obviously God has the peace and the joy we need, regardless of where our mental health is standing. So I may have uh, a really low day and feel very depressed um, and feel very anxious, but I still, I still know that my satisfaction is in him and it's, it's not in laying in bed all day because I feel sad or, or making a hundred to-do lists because I'm so anxious. Like that's not where I'm going to find my satisfaction. It's still in Christ So I think there's that aspect, Um, but 
the difference is now I know that just because my satisfaction is in Christ doesn't mean that my suffering ends. It just means that regardless of my circumstances or my mood, um, I, I'm safe in him and he is where my satisfaction is not in any of my coping mechanisms or, um, any other thing that I could do that I think might bring me some peace. I know that still at the root of things, um, he is my satisfaction and my peace. So I guess the only really the difference between what I believe now about that specific principle and what I believe before is just that um, before I, I believed that if I put my trust in God and if my satisfaction was in God, then my suffering would end, um, which is not true. <laughs> um, and also just on, on top of that, uh, not only is he my only satisfaction and joy and peace, but he is deeply involved and concerned about our health, including our mental health. And um, he mourns with us when we mourn. And he, he sings songs of joy when we're overjoyed with us, um, that he's very deeply involved and um, that just like his creation, he has a complex set of emotions uh, and <laughs> I don't know, I just think that that's so beautiful about God that he does, he has that pathos, um, and he, his emotions are moved with us, and yeah, there's so much more I could say about that, right. I think that that's been such an important part of me understanding how God responds to my emotion, is realizing that he's also an emotional god and um that's he, he relates to us and everything and is involved with us and everything yeah that's so beautiful that reminds me of the story of Lazarus when he when Lazarus died and they buried him in the tomb and Jesus came to be with Mary and Martha his sisters who were mourning and grieving and Jesus knew he was going to resurrect Lazarus, but he mm -hmm. still cried with Mary yeah. and Martha. Right. That just blows my mind that he would know how the story is going to end, that joy is coming, right. but that he was like, this is still meaningful. I'm still sad with my sisters, you know? Right, exactly. And I think that that says something about our own experience as humans as well, that we can know that the end is hopeful and that there will be redemption but we still we're still emotional beings and we still experience things deeply and they and and things affect us deeply and so we can have hope in christ and satisfaction in christ and still experience the complexities of the human pathos right that's what makes life life you know right, right. <laughs> so that is so encouraging what so what would you say to someone who is currently struggling with mental health or maybe like the same questions that you did? Yeah. Um, my first encouragement is just to keep going <laughs> because it's really, really difficult 
Uh, at least it was for me. So I know it has to be difficult for somebody else. You know, more often than not, I really just wanted to give up. Um, but I just encourage you to keep fighting the good fight and um, equip yourself with the tools to do that. Like, you can't do it by yourself. You can't do it in solitude, even though that's probably where you want to be. You know, um, I ended up staying another semester at college than uh, a semester longer at college than what I wanted to. But I did it specifically because I knew that after I left, I wasn't going to have the same kind of like minded community. And um, so I just I had to make that decision in order to uh, work through what I had to work through in my faith and have people around me to encourage me. Um, and another thing that having a community of believers surrounding you does is that um, you've now got, you know, a whole group of mediators on your behalf. And uh, for me, I, I really didn't even know how to enter into the presence of God um, or spend time in prayer or reading the Bible anymore. I didn't know how because my mind was so overwhelmed with doubts and questions. So seeing uh, or having my brothers and sisters in Christ there to like actively pray for me and contend on my behalf, I really, I mean, I look back and I just think like that was the string that was holding me together, you know? Um, so that's really important. And my last thing I would say is that above all else, seek out the love and peace that you find in Christ um, because you're not going to get that in the answers that you might want. So, Victoria, that is so wise and you are so amazing. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is why I admired you from afar when we were freshmen in college because I would see you just always raising your hand and I was like, she wants to learn <laughs> yeah yeah and so thank you so much for sharing all of that and your experience mm -hmm. and I have seen personally how your relationship with God has grown as you've walked through suffering and I feel like suffering is sometimes the tool that God uses like to yeah, form us into look more like him and we mm -hmm. we just take it for granted and we think like this just sucks I'm never gonna get through this all this stuff and we just can't see what's going on behind the scenes before we right. are past it and we look back we're like huh what do you know <laughs> right yeah exactly so thank you so much for sharing Victoria um we're going to sign off Thank you once again. Thank you to our listeners for listening. We hope this helped you. Please take Victoria's advice and run with it to the fullest of your ability. So say goodbye, Victoria. Go ahead. We're going to sign off. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you once again. This has been No Idea with Victoria and Jenny. Signing off. See you around.